afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duber and I are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and on the Kappa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Happy Monday, Neil. What a beautiful day it is out today. It is. Uh, I just don't want to go out without a sun a sunscreen, though. Are you just rubbing it in because our guest is from snowy Maryland right exactly. now? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it, it's really hot and sunny out here today. I'm glad I it had is. this. <laughs> <laughs> we have the pleasure of having Ben Schifrin, head of school at the Genesee School in um, Maryland with us today to talk a little bit about how learning differences have, you know, effects throughout people's lives and it affects each and every one of us in business today. So Ben, thank you so much for being here with us it, today. It's a real pleasure and a real honor. Thanks for having me. So the first article we have today uh, is, uh, it, which is really strange because it's from uh, this weekend's Wall Street Journal and it has a picture uh, on top of the article of Snoop Dogg which is not something you usually find in the Wall Street Journal. And they well, it's kind of like Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. You wouldn't see them together, but they are too. You know? Yeah. Snoop's and it, it, it's entitled Meet the Market's Messiahs of Momentum. And I don't know, Diane, if you're old enough to remember, but when I was younger, there was a firm called E.F. Hutton. And the commercial used to be uh, when E.F. Hutton talks, everyone listens, and then the commercial would go silence because E.F. Hutton was the spokesperson for smart investing ideas. Well, this article talks about now the smart people are Elon Musk, uh, Mark Cuban, uh, uh, Jay Rule, whoever Jay Rule is, and Snoop Dogg, even Gene Simmons of KISS. And what the article talks about is the democratization of information on the internet has caused uh, everyone to have a megaphone and young people listen to these people. And as a result, um, you have uh, this uh, loudspeaker talking about things like a, a, you know, game shop and it moves young people. And because it doesn't take much percent of the stock's flow to move a stock, uh, you actually have uh, changes in the marketplace, not based on fundamentals, but based upon what celebrities are saying and how young people are following these celebrities. And the article ends with a very funny quote from you know, the best-selling screenwriter and author, William Goldman. He said that the single most important fact you should know is that nobody knows anything. And uh, you know, the, the know-nothingism of what we've seen the last couple of months is really manifest. And it, it's, it's really affecting how intelligent people can, uh, can make intelligent investment decisions. And uh, just when this came out, the next day, Sunday, yesterday, uh, there's an article in um, uh, Business Insider that says Elon Musk admits that Bitcoin and other uh, 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 speculative gold bug stocks seem high. 
So, you know, here he is. Even he will, yeah, even he is saying things are a little bit out of control. Well, you know, I think that that is a, a really important point because not only is social media and these influencers who you just read are influencing us across the spectrum, not only in investing, but I read an article this weekend about how vaccines are going to be really, it will depend on, depend on these influencers on the internet to help get people who are vaccine hesitant to actually get vaccinated. And so when you start, when you start kind of um, fusing it out across these, these people who have influence just online, you know, it could go a lot of different ways and there isn't a lot of centralized control. And uh, a follow-up article by our favorite writer in the Wall Street Journal, Jason Swig, says that uh, feelings, gut feelings are now becoming an important part of uh, investment strategy. Uh, and uh, there's some scientific work that shows that people uh, tend to, when they're not sure of what to do, go with their quote unquote gut. Um, and um, Robert Soros, the son of uh, hedge fund uh, titan George Soros remarked, the reason my father changes his position on the market or whatever it is is because his back starts killing him. It has nothing to do with reason. And so even older sophisticated people sometimes use their gut to make decisions. Um, and the next article is from the New York Times. It's entitled, If Tesla Bubble Bursts, A Catastrophe Won't Follow. And the essence of the article is, over the last couple of hundred years, when you had a major bubble, one of the reasons why it has such a systemic re uh, result to the economy as a whole is because of the amount of debt that that company has and the cascading effect that the debt uh, default has on the entire economy. And what the article interestingly points out is that Tesla and a bunch of other high-flying stocks don't have that much debt relative to equity. So if in fact there is a stock bubble, and if in fact uh, uh, Tesla and others were to collapse, it would not have the same type of consequence that we had um, if we had um, uh, uh, you know, the housing crisis or um, some industrial companies. So that, that's, that's well, in the dot com bubble, which you know is is very similar in that they're all were speculative, not making money to support their stock price. Um, we're, it, it doesn't seem as if the speculative companies, if this bubble bursts, the Tesla bubble, if you will, um, it will take down the rest of the market. Now that said, it, it could have a couple of days of stumbling, but it doesn't mean that we're headed for a two thousand eight um, recession. And the next article is on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, and it's entitled Riskiest Firms Binge on Low-Cost Borrowing. Investors near insatiable demand for even the riskiest corporate debt is fueling a Wall Street lending boom. Despite the onslaught of new bonds, riskier companies can now borrow at interest rates once reserved for the safest investments. And this is really scary. High yield or you know, close to junk bonds are yielding 3.97% compared to 10-year treasuries that are yielding 3.23%. So we, we've got here a 65 basis point spread between the US government and junk, which is insane. Although, you know, you'd have to expect that given how, how you know, we are at zero in interest rates. So it squeezes the spread between them. Um, it doesn't seem, it, it does seem crazy, don't get me wrong. However, it's 
it's hard to see it go any further up given interest rates are just so low. The next article is entitled Women Investors Are Bucking Stocks. And um, first of all, you know, as we had, I think, an article a couple of weeks ago, as bad as Robinhood investors have been, for, uh, uh, the Robinhood phenomenon has been uh, somewhat uh, 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 risky for investors in general, it has attracted a, a lot of women to its site. Uh, but the difference is that women tend to be more conservative and have put money, and this is a Credit Suisse a report that says female customers have 90% of their wealth tied up in low yielding cash and fixed income. Uh, the kind of caution has downsized, particularly when interest rates are as low as, that, as they are. Um, and um, it tries to explain some of the reasons why women are so um, uh, conservative, part of which is that they are paid less, they have, uh, uh, a interruption in their uh, business life because of pregnancies, which cause them to have lower 401ks. But in general, they tend to think long-term and the risk of buying uh, stocks at this point has, has not caught on with women as much as it has with men. Yeah, and the problem with that is gonna be when inflation hits, they're gonna be eaten alive with their, their cash or monies in only money markets. Really stocks are the best hedge against inflation. And absent having them, you're, you're really gonna, it, it's going to bring down your purchasing power considerably. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 
Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com or 805-564-1290. So if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Ben Schifrin, who is the current head of school of the Genesee School in Owings Mills, Maryland. And what, and I will, I'll, I won't explain what the school is. I'll let you explain it, Ben. But Ben actually comes from LA. So he, he has some uh, California roots that he's missing right now as it's snowing back in Maryland. But Ben- You always miss the sunshine. You always miss the sunshine. That you do. I mean, you never fail when it's a snowy day. I always think of Southern California. But uh, it's funny you've asked me about Genesee School. Genesee is a very unique school. It works with students who we say have language-based learning differences. And I want you to hear that I'm emphasizing the word differences and not disabilities. It's not that our children can't learn, they learn differently or they need a different approach to learning. So who are these children? Well, if you think about it, when we're born in the world, we have a natural, our natural brains are wired naturally to speak. If you lived in Russia and heard Russian, you would pick up the, that language and be able to speak it orally. Learning to read is the symbolic language that we've created based on this oral language. It's a code for the oral language. For some kids, they pick it right up. For a group of kids, they need some direct instruction. And then there's that 10 to 15% that need intense instruction in our artificial code of reading. But the key of why I took the time to explain it, so often we associate a child having trouble to read as not being smart. And it's really the total opposite. These young adults who struggle with the reading code tend to be very gifted and we call them twice exceptional because they make up for this deficit usually in another area, whether it's the arts, whether it's mathematics, but they tend to have an area of gift along with this struggle they have with learning the written code. So those are the students at Genesee. We have 450 of them. They go from grades one through 12. But what I wanna share with you, almost 100% of our graduating seniors go on to higher education. And I am proud to say that out of a class of 45, we received last year over $5 million in academic scholarship. I'm not calling it financial aid. I'm calling it academic scholarship. And it really goes back to what good education should do. But that's a whole separate talk. But now I've explained to you what Genesee or what Genesee is, you know, we can go from there. But but truly, so how, I think- the, How does Genesee different from say other schools that deal with learning differences? Well, I can speak about the, the only other school I, I was part of was Westmark School or the old Landmark West. And, you know, each school is unique in its way and it, it's, it's, its area, but we have a philosophy at Genesee. And the philosophy is we need to balance the education with what the, if you only worked on what was difficult for you all day, you'd give, it, it would be a horrible day. We balance our day with what our kids struggle with and we really remediate them. And at the same time, we enhance their gifts. So for example, they have arts here every day. That isn't something that arts here at Genesee is just as important as math, 
science, and all of the other subjects. We believe on hands-on education. We believe in experimental education. We know that our kids learn by doing, not learn by reading. So our, our school is set up that way with different projects and different assemblies. And COVID has put a real clamp on that, but we've tried to be creative with that. But I wanna step back and say again, that really what we do here at Gemesi, I believe is just good education, not special education. We teach kids the way kids need to be taught. We don't take a child and try to put them in a, in a peg. We meet a child where they are and bring them to where they need to go. And you need to create environments where kids are free to make mistakes and not criticized, are free to fail, because we think fail is such a bad thing. Well, if you take the word fail, it's first attempt in learning. How many of us don't get it the first time? Sometimes it takes me 15, but yet we make that wrong rather than teach kids, all right, we made a mistake or we didn't get it right. What did we learn from that? But you create an environment where kids need to feel comfortable to take the risks they need to take to learn. If you do not create that, you do not have education. Because what we know is when the brain is fearful, it shuts down and can't learn. So all those classes that you sat in where you were afraid of that teacher, you may have memorized facts, but I questioned what you learned. And I want to come back to that environment because it's so important. So how do you create that? Well, let me draw a scenario for your listening audience, if you can vision with me, little Johnny, who maybe is really hyper, and the teacher asks the typical fourth grade question when they're studying Maryland and say, Johnny or class, what's the capital of Maryland? And Johnny jumps out of his seat and says, Baltimore. And the whole teacher says, wrong. And the whole class laughs. What message did Johnny just get? Don't ever take a risk in this classroom unless you know the answer. What could that teacher have done to create the environment I'm talking about? Said Johnny, that was a pretty good answer. Baltimore's the largest city. Come on up to the board. Let's look at the map. Put your where what would be next to the capital? Oh, a star. Well, where do you see the star? Oh, Annapolis. What's the capital of Maryland? Annapolis. What you've done is who did the teacher give their attention to? They gave their attention to the student who took the risk. Didn't make the student wrong had the student roll back. You don't know what a difference that makes. And I guarantee you the next time that teacher asks a question, every hand in the room goes up because no one's afraid if they get a wrong answer. That's about creating an environment where kids thrive, where they're free to make the mistakes they need to make to learn. Because let's remember in life, we learn more from what we get wrong than what we get right. Part of the environment that you give kids is just the fact that everyone is in the same boat. Uh, if you are uh, someone that has a uh, difference in learning in a regular school, you may feel stupid because other kids are learning differently than you. Uh, how much of what you, your success is because everyone is, is, is in the same situation, so no one's being picked on? Neil, I'd like to step back and politely disagree with you if I can. If you have a masterful teacher, and I mean a truly masterful teacher, and I've seen it because one of the jobs, privileges I have in life is I'm a volunteer for the State Department 
So I get to go to some of these international schools where there are all kinds of kids that are on different levels. When you have a masterful teacher, they know how to work with their class. They know how to, what we use the word, differentiate. So yes, Johnny may have a card on his desk when he doesn't understand something that's read that he doesn't have to yell out, but the teacher sees it and knows it without having to call attention to your peers. And we're not doing a very good job of education if acceptance and inclusion is not part of what we're teaching to kids from an early age. Well, that assumes that the teacher is is sensitive and uh, caring and and understands these issues. But I, I'm afraid if that if they're not, Neil, I have a question. They shouldn't be in education, and I don't need to be sarcastic. I mean, should we? That's a whole other topic. But let's not forget. I don't know a teacher that had didn't go into education. They didn't go in for the money. They went in to make a difference in the world, and we burnt them out. And that's a whole different topic we could talk about. But. I believe with the right teacher in front of kids, you can work with a child who has a learning difference in the classroom very easily without creating a stigma and without making that child stand out. Because at Genesee, you have students with different learning differences, right? It's not like everybody is just dyslexic. dyslexic. We have kids that are dysgraphic that have problems in writing. We have kids with dyscalculia that have trouble with mathematics. It's all in the language continuum. Like we don't have autistic kids here or kids on that spectrum, all of our kids are on the language spectrum, meaning they, they trouble with the, they understand the world. When you talk to our kids, they understand the world completely. Oral language is not a problem for them. Ask them to read a paragraph, that could be a problem for them. But in fact, they're very gifted. Comprehension, oral comprehension is not their difficulty. That's the one commonality that they have, but they all may struggle in a different area. How do they, how have you seen your students transition to university learning where there's a lot less um, handholding in general for, for all First students? Off, I, I, we don't handhold at Genesee, okay? We teach independence. I think there's a real difference. So you asked me a question, Diane, that may be an important one and I want to go back on. What's different between us and some other schools? We teach our kids independence. That is an extremely important skill. They cannot be dependent on someone for their education, for their life. That's number one. With that independence goes a whole curriculum of development of executive functions, skills that they need to succeed in the world. The ability to look at a goal, the ability to go around an obstacle when a goal is there, the begin, I mean, all of those important traits, time management, organization, all of those are the skill marks of success in life, okay? And really, we don't teach them anywhere in school. So we spend a great deal of time when kids get into middle and upper school developing those skills. You know, one of the biggest skills that are success at college is self-advocacy. Uh, I'm picking the right college. You know, not everybody goes to a huge university and not everybody has to go to college. But when you give kids the right advocacy skills, the how-to skills, how do you study? How do you organize? How do you time management? They take those skills. They just don't succeed. They thrive. And I can go through our list and what's that I'm proud of. Out of all the independent schools in the Baltimore area or Maryland area where they are, we are up there with, the, with our percentage of students that complete college. But I want to step back, Diane, and say to you, it's not just about completing college. 
It's about giving them skills for life, not just academically. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. If you have trouble handling your anger, get help. If someone you love is hurting or scaring you, get help. There is a full-service domestic violence agency in Santa Barbara County, which offers emergency shelter, counseling, transitional housing, anger management, and teen outreach programs. Its name is Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. Call their 24-hour helpline at 964-5245. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County, putting an end to domestic violence. Did you know that domestic violence sends more than 500 women and children to emergency shelters every year? There is a place where all family members affected by domestic violence can get help. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County, with four 24-hour phone lines to help. In Santa Barbara, call 964-5245. In Santa Maria, call 925-2160. In Lompoc, call 736-0965. And in Santa Inez, call 686-4390. Sign-ups are going on now for Goleta Valley Girls Softball Association. Both Santa Barbara and Goleta GVGSA is a softball league for girls ages 5 to 15 years old. The 5 and 6-year-olds play t-ball and coach pitch throughout the season. The girls pitch to batters in the 8U, 10U, 12U and 14U divisions. The season runs from March through May with GVGSA following all state and local safety protocols. Softball is played outdoors and is a safe way to teach our local girls about teamwork and athletics. Sign up today at GVGSA.com. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Ben, how has, how has COVID affected the Genesee School? When you speak about it, the kids really go to school and they thrive. And being home with their parents, being that I am one, children haven't haven't been thriving quite as much. Well, let, let's, go back, let's, let's go back a year. Maybe that's better to look at because it's exactly a year ago. I was over in Japan working at the school in Nagoya when they got the message to cancel all travel in Asia. And they started to prepare for online education because this quote virus was coming. I came back to the States and told my team, I have a feeling this is here in the United States and we're going to have to go out. And we began to prepare kids four weeks before we were even told of Google Classroom, how we utilize these tools. We really got the kids ready and we were off to spring break when the governor closed us down. We sent the kids home with everything. But the key was our team got together. We knew we needed to have these kids in person. Doing virtual online for dyslexic kids or kids with learning differences is a very, not that it can't be done, but not as effectively as we needed it to be done. And we said, if there is any way to get these kids back, 
we need to get them back. And we started to look at metrics and we realized, okay, what are we going to do? We created a re-entry team. Now the kids are virtual right now, going through the school year, we're dealing with the issues and they're learning. Our, our teachers knocked it out of the park. I mean, I was blown away at the creativity of what they did. But the end result was, and you know, here I am, we're coming to June and we have graduates. A parent waits their whole entire life to see their kid walk across the stage and get a diploma. We're not doing a virtual graduation. I want you to know we took our big field. We brought a huge screen, a drive-in movie screen, and each kid, they did, each parent was in their car. We spaced the cars, but each kid got to walk across the stage and get their diploma. But we knew we needed to bring the kids back. We got on our hands and knees and measured each classroom. And lo and behold, we opened school on August 31st. The positivity rate in Maryland then was about 3.2. And we decided we're gonna give it a shot. And we have been open there, but we developed neighborhoods in our lower school where there was no interaction. We didn't have the school-wide interaction stuff that makes Genesee so special, but we knew at least they were in person and it was better than sitting in front of a computer. And these neighborhoods worked in the lower middle school. And if someone, there was a contact the neighborhood went out, but the whole school didn't have to close down. Upper school was different because you couldn't create neighborhoods because a ninth grader may need biology or the chemistry and you can't keep them. So we created hallway patterns of the way we moved. We had tents outside Now we're not California, so we couldn't be out all, but we knew for the warm weather and we were blessed this fall with unbelievably one of the nicest falls we've had in a long time where the kids could be out in tents. We made classes longer so there could be mass breaks in between. During, before we started, we spent a lot of time talking to the international schools in China and Japan. What were the problems they were having when they brought the kids back? And the biggest one was, okay, wearing masks, keeping the masks on kids. So we worked on that. We had parents work on that. I got to tell you, we have been in session now since August 31st. There has not been a case of COVID that was transmitted within the school. There, any case that has happened has happened outside. Now we had to make modifications. We were full day, but as winter came and our re-entry team that was made up of epidemiologists, ER doctors, parents, teachers, I mean, it was made up of the community. We realized the biggest danger for our teachers was lunchtime when they took their mask on and you know they had to watch the kids or whatever. What was a way we could protect that? And we said, you know what? We're not even gonna risk that. We ended school, we did half days and we were done at one o'clock. Happy to say all of our teachers have been vaccinated as I talked to you, except for three of them. And we're going back to a full day as of March 1st. The weather's gonna hopefully start getting warmer. We'll be able to do more outside, more things outside. We're looking to now to maybe bring sports back in the spring if the, if, the, if the thing goes down, because this is the point. As educators, we need to measure the importance and what kids lose by not being at school. I'm all for protecting teachers. I absolutely am. But honestly, I think our unions have gone a little overboard. I don't see the grocery clerk union having a problem and where would we be if the grocery clerk said, we're not coming back until everybody's vaccinated. I mean, life needs to go on. 
We know there are safe precautions to take and children need to be in school. The amount of suicides, and no one is talking about this, but we see the stats at high school, the level of depression. There was just an article about all these kids being diagnosed with ADHD. Well, what do you think that's from? Sitting in front of a screen. And we as a society need to step back and say, okay, in life, everything's a risk. There's a risk when I cross the street that I'm going to get hit by a bus. There's a risk when I get on an airplane that the plane's going to crash. I mean, yes, and we have to look at those risks. But, but that's why but that's why I never leave the house. That's the only. So actually, I have you know, a... You know what? I got to share something. <laughs> I'm a germaphobe, and I hate to say that. I mean, really... It took a while and it was scary, but once I started doing it and got back in a routine, it felt mentally good again. Our teachers, we gave them space. We didn't bring the kid. We brought them back slowly and got them comfortable and they weren't comfortable and everybody, but you know what happened? The more they came, the more comfortable to the point that if we do do virtual, they come into school to do virtual from their classroom because it's much more effective and them doing it from home and the safety that they feel. We now have them vaccinated and they feel great. Um, and I push for that. Listen, these our teachers really put their rear end on their lines for their kids. They are the most dedicated. I'm honored to work with the most dedicated group of teachers I've ever had in my lifetime. The most knowledgeable, dedicated teachers that, I mean, they were here for the kids. And you know, no. one point but if doctors didn't come out because they were afraid, if nurses didn't come out because they were afraid, if bus drivers didn't come out because they were afraid, how would we even function? How would we you know, get food on our you know, there, there, there are stories in, in, the, in business biographies over the years of very successful CEOs that um, had learning problems. Is there any um, work that is done to give some insight. Is it possible, um, just like with other mental illnesses, it sometimes raises sensitivities to other creative areas. Is there any uh, understanding of how maybe learning differences can cause someone to be more successful in another area? Well, let, let me share some of the, what we do know, okay? There was, a, there was a, a person who since passed away that was looking at a study that very much believed that people who saw, some people who were dyslexic we're gifted at reading body language. We're gifted at reading body language. And they could sit in a negotiation and be able to negotiate brilliantly because that, remember I said to you, there's another area. Now that's not been formally proven at the university, but experiential, when you have of our Fortune 500 companies, 33% of the top 100 CEOs having some form of a learning difference, that should tell you there is a connect there. Why? Our kids think out of the box. That is why they're knocking it out of colleges and engineering and all of these things. I love these engineering schools that come and say, this kid's brilliant in what he's doing. We have a program called Interkinetic Sculpture where they create all kinds of vehicles. And these colleges look at it and want these kids, they say, but they keep, they're still struggling with what it doesn't matter. Look at their brain. So what I'm bringing out to you, Neil, is you're absolutely right. I totally believe, okay, there is a connect. It hasn't been proven at the university level yet, and it'd be a great dissertation if there was a way to do a study. But really, it's amazing to me 
successful CEOs that have this, their ability to read body language, your ability to read body language, other thing, other things, sports, you know, some of our kids who struggle may be brilliant in the visual perceptual field and they're unbelievable athletes, unbelievable athletes, you know, and then we have kids that have math brains. Now you're going to laugh. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. The mission of the Freedom Warming Centers is to save lives and reduce suffering for our neighbors without homes. When extreme winter weather is forecast for Santa Barbara County, Freedom Warming Centers provide a safe, dry, and warm place to sleep. Here's Erin Wilson. Warming centers have been in existence since 2009. Back in 2009, there were a number of deaths of homeless individuals related to cold weather, one of those individuals being named Freedom. We operate out of seven countywide locations. These are low barrier, temporary emergency shelters. We run from the month of November through the end of March, and we open on nights of cold weather or rainy weather. Just to get people out of the rain, provide them some food, Food, a safe, warm place to sleep. To learn more about the Freedom Warming Centers, to volunteer, or to make a much-needed donation, check out Freedom Warming Centers on Facebook or call 805-965-4583, extension 225. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So I just sent an email from a listener, and she wrote... She would love, Ben, to get your take on um, helping students with learning differences during this pandemic and how he sees the public schools or schools in general, not a school like Gemesee, addressing such children once they head back to in-person learning. Okay, first off, I think, let, let's take it in two parts, okay? Let's deal with the first part of right now what you as a parent can do is be a parent. Just relate to your child that you know this is stressful, that you know this is hard, because a child who has a learning difference, learning virtually basically does not work. You're, you're approaching it in the wrong way. Not that they ultimately can't learn online when they develop some very important skills. So take the time if they're young. If they have to read something, read it to them. Or be a parent, read a story before bed and discuss questions with them. Whatever they're missing in the content, that could easily be made up, 
okay? What they're missing emotionally, so just be sensitive to that. We tell our parents during this pandemic, it doesn't matter if your child needs a break, let them take a sick day, okay? There's only so much they can do virtually online. They should not be online more than three to four hours a day. When I hear kids are seven, eight hours on the computer, that is so bad for the brain and everything we've learned. And that's a separate discussion about the brain and what computers do to the brain and so forth. And that's not my expertise, to be honest with you, but I, I, I listen to people who are expertise in that. What I think you need to do right now to this listener is just be a parent, be empathetic, and not freak out because all of this ground can be made up, okay? Now, what should schools do? Personally here, I, you know, I've been on a state board and we've been talking about it. I think when schools finally open, okay? And I don't know when they're opening in California, they have started to open here as of March 1st by the mandate of the governor here that they will open March 1st in some form or another is really intensifying what they get, really looking at their day. And for example, if they're there for reading, well, let's make sure it's a good 45, 50 minutes of intensive instruction, looking at how we can brave, you know, depending where they are and what the school can do. I think there needs to be a focus on the three R's, okay? Okay, for all kids. If it were me and I were superintendent, you know what I do, I bring the kids right back now and I give them a three week summer break and they go right through till next June. Because we can't, what I'm more worried about is the summer learning loss, that we're gonna get kids back in the spring, then they're gonna have a two month winter break. Anything they've learned, you may as well start over in September. Because at Gemacy, we offer camp to our parents in the morning for basically nothing to keep that summer learning loss from happening on a typical year. I think parents, you need to be parents and realize this is difficult. All they are missing is content and we can fill content. You can't fill emotion. You can't fill depression. You can't fill all those other things because you know what our kids are missing? The most is the socialization because that's where they learn a lot. That's where they learn life skills is by interacting with one another. And they're missing that greatly because as I said, do you remember the one focus I said of our brain when we're born is to learn a language. It's, it's a natural function. The other natural function of our brain is socialization. That's what makes us humans. And we've taken that away from our kids. Virtual socialization is not the same. So if you have opportunities where you can develop a pod of their friends and things like that, where they get a chance to socialize, you'll be helping a great deal with their academics also. So unfortunately, Diane, I can't say do this academically. I would tell the parent to keep the emotional support going and do some fun things with them. If they're reading assignments, read with them. If they're math assignments, play with them, but don't let them get overwhelmed with it. Especially how do you put a third grader online for four hours? I don't get that. So what are some of the early warning signs of dyslexia? There are a lot of them, but these, these are the classic ones. Number one, okay, I'm just going to say this. Is there a history or a hereditary component in your family? Meaning that, is there someone in your family? And sometimes we're now not knowing. Now we're starting to see it in younger generations because their parents went to Gemacy, but there is definitely a genetic component. But what did you as a parent? Late to speak, very, very late to speak. Like all of a sudden, you know, normal kids will speak around 18 months. They'll start saying words. Your kid didn't start speaking till three years old. That, that's a warning sign. 
okay? Other warning signs, mixing up letters and numbers, okay? Having a very, it's mixing up words in a sentence. It's not reversing letters. For example, um, it's one thing, you know, goods, you would say the spaghetti was tasty or tasty spaghetti and the kids mix up the order of the words. That, that is a, a classic that they'll do. Some of the real ones that, that we see are the inability of directionality, left from right, right to left, left to right. Those are warning signs. But let's remember this, and this is the important one, and why I'm not just ramming off a list, because what happens is we need to remember that reading is a process. And it is a long process. It's not when you think what's involved in reading. And children learn anywhere to really read, if we, from what the studies have shown, from kindergarten up through third grade. So, you know, you really need to look at what's going on. There are many, there are environmental factors, so forth, but th these are classics. And these are ones that I would say, or, and I'm gonna go on the emotional side, child doesn't like to read, okay? Find out the child's going to the nurse a lot during reading or language time, like they tend to get sick at that time. That's a real warning sign that a child's giving you there's a problem. Trouble following directions, multi-step directions. Because really dyslexia or reading is a process. What we need to break down is where, what is causing the breakdown of the child learning the process. Is it their working memory that's not working? Is it rapid naming? And we can explain these after the commercial break. That's why there's just not one symptom that there or one, one thing that we say causes symptoms of dyslexia or, or signs of this. There are many. And I'll give you more of a list as we come down, but I want parents to be cautious to remember reading is a process. Just because a child's experiencing this doesn't mean they have dyslexia. So it sounds like you're calling for a commercial. So I will, I will oblige. Oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're... I thought there was a minute. I do apologize. I do apologize. He said I didn't understand. I thought. No, he I, I, I do as I'm told. Now you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we will be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! 
American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. Broadcasting from the Evolve Advisor Studios in Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, or somewhere from the road. This is a show that takes a peek behind the hospitality curtain with you. We explore the food, the drink, trends in the music, and the people and the vibe that make up this exciting world. I am your host, Jeremiah. The Jeremiah Show airs Thursday at 11 a.m. and 9 p.m., Saturdays at noon, and Sunday mornings at 12 a.m. On AM 1290, the Santa Barbara News Press Radio Station. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Ben, let's pick up where we left off before the break, talking about the quick the signs of... of I want to do this quickly. And remember, I said it's a process. Just because your child is doing this, they may stop it. But if it continues, you want to worry. If they're slow when they learn new vocabulary words, they have difficulty rhyming. They can't tell a rhyme. They can't make a rhyme. They can't recognize a rhyme. They have trouble learning like the alphabet and days of the week and colors. When you when they hear a story and they go back, they miss the sequence. These are some of the standard things that you would see in a child that's dyslexic. But what I want to warn people is if a child's doing this in kindergarten or first grade, that necessarily doesn't mean that. If they're doing it in third grade, then I would say the red flag is real there. So you as a parent just want to see, are, are these getting better? Do they, For example, in sequencing, like when you tell a story, does it get better when you tell it the second time? Things like, oh, okay, they're learning. It's not that. But just be on the lookout for that because we know early intervention makes a huge difference. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. So- so then let's talk a little bit about um, what Genesee does with, you know, the challenges of um, experiential, hands-on, multi-sensory learning and, and how you approach that. Okay, we believe there's more than one way to learn something, okay? And that we believe that when we present something to a child, now this has not been proven in research, it's just what we feel is good teachers, it works, is that we present in a multi-sensory way. They get to play with it. They get to feel with it. They get to touch it. They get So for example, it's not unusual to walk around as the kids are learning the alphabet and you see shaving cream and they're, 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 they're writing the alphabet in shaving cream and doing all kinds of multi-sensory fun activities. But this is what I will say about multi-sensory. It's a fun way to do the old-fashioned drill, drill, drill. In my day, it was drill, 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 which was painful and boring. And what we do know from research is a dyslexic child may need to look at this many more times than a child who is not dyslexic, which that goes back to drill, drill, drill. So multi-sensory experience it playing with it is a great way to do drill, 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 and more importantly, an engaging way to keep the child engaged, okay, as they're reviewing these things over and over. It's, it's, a, it's a nice way to do it. I mean, you should hear all of our kids could tell you the 50 states. They all have ways that they've learned that there's Minnesota and under that. I mean, nicknames and, and ways that they've learned things all through just not a standard way. You know, what upsets me more as an educator is I watch a first grader go off to school and it's the most exciting day of their life. They have a smile from ear to ear. They are the happiest kid in the world. 
And in this country, somewhere between first and third grade, we wipe that smile right off their face. At Genesee, we rekindle that spark for learning because as human beings, we love to learn. So learning is exciting. Think about when you learn something new, it's better than hitting the job. I mean, you feel like you've accomplished something. Well, kids are like that too. And we need to change that. So my message is kids can love learning. Kids come to our school every day wanting to be there and upset when we have a snow day. So as parents right now through this epidemic, you have a chance through a pandemic, it's not an epidemic, well, it is an epidemic and a pandemic. <laughs> through this pandemic, you have an opportunity to make things fun. If your kids are learning things in math, when you go to make something in the kitchen, have them double the recipe or lower the recipe or play with fractions. Do some fun stuff and make it exciting to learn. That really, that really makes all the difference. Now, does Gemacy accept children that don't have learning differences? Unfortunately not. Every sibling of a kid who's here, our head of lower school, Megan McGowan is only here because she had to go to public school and her brother had to come here and she didn't get to do all these wonderful things. So when she became a teacher, she came right here. And now she's head of our lower middle school. And she's been here for 28 years. Well, th thank you so thank you so much, Ben, for, for being our guest. And, and thank, thank you. you. For, and thank you for all you do. Um, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk. And we'll see you all next week.